you open your Bibles to 1 John if you have them. If not, it's provided in our order of worship here. This morning's sermon is from 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. 1 John 2, 1 through 6. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him, if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name once again and ask for your blessing upon the hearing and the doing of your word. May uh, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Once again, I'm a slave to technology here, but I am like Kip. See if that works. That doesn't work. I love technology. First <laughs> John two one through six. That is not the title of the sermon. The title of the sermon is "I Walk the Line." A question. I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I keep my eyes wide open all the time. I keep the ends out for the tide that binds. Because you're mine, I walk the line. I find it very, very easy to be true. I find myself alone each day when each day is through. Yes, I'll admit I'm a fool for you because you're mine. I walk the line. These words are probably familiar to all of you. They are the lyrics to Johnny Cash's song, I Walk the Line. And he wrote this song in 1956. And in an NPR interview, Johnny Cash stated this about the song. He was, it was a proclamation of fidelity uh, to his new bride, Vivian. And Johnny Cash himself said in the interview, it was a kind of prodding to myself to play it straight, Johnny. So Johnny was writing this song so he would play it straight. It's a song about Johnny walking according to what he loved, his wife Vivian. But how do you think it really worked out? How did it play out? Ah, 
not so good for Vivian. So this brings us to today's message. Alright. And today's message is related in that it ends with this line. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. If we say we love Jesus, we should walk the line. Verse 1 here. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So if we remember from chapter 1, John is proclaiming his apostolic authority, who he is, because there had been those who had come into the church in Ephesus and were spreading lies. They were saying that they had the true message of Jesus, that they were super apostles, and that they had the right message. And here we have John coming in and writing a letter stating his apostolic authority and saying, no, I was there. I saw Jesus, I heard Him speak, I touched Him. He gave me the message, and this is the message. And that message is, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. So John doesn't tell exactly what the false teachers were teaching, but we can gather by inference, by deducting that they were teaching somehow that Jesus did not come in the flesh, and somehow that how you live didn't matter that you could live a sinful life. So they were teaching that they knew God, but their but what what their lives demonstrated according to John was that they didn't know God. And so he's writing to correct that. And so he's telling us here that we need to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. And today we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at the purpose of this passage here. And uh, that'll be verses 1 to 2. And then we're going to look at the knowledge. And in verses 3 to 5, knowledge, assent, and truth. Excuse me, knowledge and assurance of truth. John is going to teach us on that. And then third, we're going to look at the result of points 1 and 2 in the application. And that's walking as Jesus walked in love. So the purpose here. He says here, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So he changes, he addresses the congregation here as his little children, using a uh, term of endearment. And then he changes the personal pronoun from we, when he was saying, stating his apostolic, to I. So he's making it personal. He's talking to them as their pastor and in love. And he's saying, I am writing these things to you. Alright. Previously he had wrote about walking in light and walking in darkness. And, and he was telling us today and his people then that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
All right. And then if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Verses 1 and 2, His purpose is to tell us not to sin. Not to sin. A common response to the Gospel when you hear that Jesus has done it all for us is to think, well, now I can just do anything I want. It's license to sin. But as the Apostle Paul states, and as John states here, is God forbid. No. Jesus did not cleanse us from our sins and give us His righteousness so that we could just keep on sinning. He did it to make us holy. And as His people filled with His Spirit, we need to walk in holiness just as He did. Our lives should be characterized by that. Our lives at one time were not characterized that. At one time we walked in darkness, but now in Christ we walk in the light as He is in the light. But John here also says this to comfort us because he knows that we are going to sin. He knows that we are. The old nature still remains. But as we walk with Christ, we we become more and more like us. We become more and more like Christ and we continue to say yes to Jesus and no to sin. It's putting off and putting on. We put off the old nature and put on the new nature in Christ. So he says here, But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Here we see this uh, 50 cent word, propitiation. And... uh, it's not, a, it's not a word that you hear often, but it's a biblical word. And the idea behind the word is, is, are two things. Um, uh, satisfaction and atonement. Satisfaction and atonement. John is telling us here that Jesus Christ, the, Jesus, um, God in the flesh, is the satisfaction, the sacrifice that satisfies God's demands in the law, He he was punished for us. The the sin that we commit requires our lives, our death. And Jesus satisfies that requirement in His uh, death, His life, death, and resurrection. But it also denotes to us uh, the atonement as well, that we are now made righteous in Jesus. And uh, one could get the false assumption that it has a pagan idea that God is angry, and so a sacrifice has been made. You know, it's the uh, you know typical uh, pagan scene where there's a volcano, and there's a god of the volcano, and a virgin has to be sacrificed to stop this angry god from the volcano erupting. Which you know, pagan uh, people think that all the time. That, that somehow the gods, they have local gods, and so that wrath must be appeased, and so they make some kind of sacrifice, you know. And, and in here I'm using an example of like a virgin, you know, throwing it in the volcano, um, something like that. But that is not the idea here, because that idea, uh, that, that, that vision or that uh, concept of a god is pagan, 
And that's the, the concept that God is capricious, that you don't know what He's going to do, and, and they're always angry. Right? That's not the God of the Bible. Uh, because the God of the Bible has revealed that He's love. And that out of love, He sent Jesus to save us. Not out of anger, but, but out, of, out of love and, and uh, pleasure. And, 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 and we we're told in the Gospels that Jesus, out of love for us, endured the cross. He, he, he saw the end, and so He endured the suffering because of His love for us. And so that's the idea here. And He says it's not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. And so that could sound at first reading, it could sound like uh, a universal atonement. But that's not what it's saying, because the Bible clearly states that, that if you do not believe in Jesus, heaven is not yours. Um, if, if you do not believe in Jesus and receive Him uh, as your Savior and uh, believe that He died in your place, that uh, you will face the wrath that is, is due to you. You will get justice. You will get justice. What He's saying here is that um, Jesus is the only Savior. The only Savior, not just for Christians, but for the world. Right? There's, there's, there's not, you know, uh, there's a misconception about uh, monotheism that Islam, Judaism, Christianity have the same God, they just call it different names. That is not the case at all. They are entirely different. They are, their views of God are entirely different. Uh, in Islam, you know, that God, their God is unknowable. So it's, we don't just, you know, just say, oh yeah, you call him Allah, we call him Jesus. No, it's an entirely different God, a different, a different uh, religion. Uh, the God of Christianity uh, is a God you can know personally. Can know personally. In fact, it talks here about knowing God. Right? Um, last week I went to this reunion. It was my brother's. It was actually uh, my brother's class and a bunch of classes like older than me. So I went there and like I saw faces that I kind of knew. You know, guys like I went to junior high with, I, but I didn't really know them, right? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know them. Like I didn't spend any time with them. Like, like there's, you know, there's, there's. We use the word not know in in, in different ways. Like we can know something by ascending to the facts, believing the facts to be true. But then we can know someone by experience and uh, true knowledge of them. And and so that's that's what John's saying here is that we can know the Father by experience experiencing him right so there were some guys like you know I knew him like I had a class with him but then there was there were there were a couple guys that I knew really well they were my buddies you know like we spent time, a lot of time together you know and, and so here it says here in verse 3 and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God. Whoever, whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. So here, um, John tells us that, that uh, we can know God. And you can know that you know God. 
but before you know, I jumped ahead too uh, too fast. There was something I wanted to to uh, mention back in verse one. It says, um, "But if anyone does not sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous." Um, not only is Jesus the sacrifice, but he's also the advocate. All right, so he's the priest and the sacrifice. Um, here's a quote from uh, a Frenchman, John Calvin. Maybe you've heard of him. Calvin explains Christ's ministry as advocate. He appears before God for the purpose of exercising toward us the power and uh, efficacy of his sacrifice. To make this more easily understood, I will speak more bluntly. Christ's intercession is the continual application of his death to our salvation. The reason why God does not impute our sins to us is because he looks upon Christ the intercessor. So here it says the word advocate. So, so um, the meaning here is, is a little deeper than what we normally think of advocate. All right. Um, you know, someone may be an advocate of the poor, you know, uh, they're their champion or whatever. But here it, it, it has the, it has the uh, meaning of that he is completely worthy um, to represent us. And because of his high position, he, he represents us perfectly. <coughs> and that's what he does daily. Uh, now, he's our advocate before the Father, constantly applying his sacrifice in our behalf before the throne of God. Which even brings us out, you know, it, which even shows us even more his love for us and how uh, completely and thoroughly we're forgiven. And how that, that should trans, that knowledge should transform our lives. And knowing that God loves us that much, and in return, we love him. And then when we love him, we love others as he loved. That's how it works. We can't get the cart before the horse. We don't like do a bunch of things to earn God's favor. We receive His love and He transforms us and then we love and then we walk in obedience. So uh, I'm completely lost here, but we'll keep going. And uh, so back to uh, verses 3 through 5. It speaks here about keeping commandments. All right. Uh, by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but, but does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. Alright, so this gives rise to the question of what commandments He's talking, what are the commandments He is talking about? What are the commandments? And uh, our first inclination is to think that He's talking about the Ten Commandments. Alright, which is true. Um, but actually... Uh, God's commandments do not refer to a list of do's and don'ts but should be understood in light of uh, chapter 3 verses 23 through 24 chapter 3 verses 23 through 24 he says this and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. So, 
here John is saying that the commandments are the God, the commandments of God the Father are to believe in his son Jesus Christ whom he sent and to love one another to love one another and uh, kind of the uh, the shame of just looking at small portions of the scripture are an illustration of the uh, phrase to miss the forest for the trees you know you're looking at a tree and you're missing the glorious forest when we focus on one passage sometimes we forget the whole context of this and so we don't we don't keep these things in mind you know we can get too focused on commandments but yet he goes on to describe what it is and the commandment God's commandment is that we believe in his son whom he sent and uh, to love one another and uh The central truth of the Christian gospel is that God has revealed Himself in the sacrificial death of His Son, which atones for the evil, immoral behavior of people, our sin. And in this way, the Son has made God the Father known as a personal being. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 18. While Jesus' teachings are important, they are so because of His unique identity as the Son of God who has conquered sin and death by right raising from the grave and not because he is simply a good teacher of knowledge, of gnosis. So, um, why I'm reading this quote is that the whole message of Scripture is, can be boiled down to the commandment there to believe in Jesus and to love one another. Uh, in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells us that the Ten Commandments, the law, and the, God, the, the law and the prophets are fulfilled in two commands, loving God and loving our neighbor as ourself. And so, as God's children, we can know that we know God by how we live our lives. Not that, not to get the cart before the horse, but to, to there, there will be fruit in our lives. There will be fruit in our lives. Is there love for God? Is it, it's okay to ask that? I mean, you always pref, you always focus on the gospel, what Jesus did for you. But at the same time, there should be a result. There should be a result. You know, we should love our neighbor. We're not going to do it perfectly, but our lives are changed. Right? It says we must be born again, and that's the evidence of being born again. Um, and it says, whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. So God's love is being done in you. It's what he saved you for, to love others. It, it's, it's seen as perfect, as complete. That's, why he, that's, that's what it's all about. Right? It's, it's not all about what Deacon Jones says, being happy. It's about loving others loving others and the irony of it is that that's what we get or not the irony but the beautiful thing about it is that we that's what gives us joy in serving others and loving others and that's because that's how God uh, made us then he says 5b by this we may know that we are in him whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which 
he walked. So we see that Christianity is not only a matter of cognitive assent to the right doctrines. Even though statements of faith are an important part of identifying ourselves with biblical truth, if we say we've been born again, have come to know God in Christ, we must either live in accordance with God's revealed will or reveal ourselves as liars. If we say we are followers of Jesus Christ, we must live as Jesus did, with total commitment of obedience to God every day of our lives. Uh, there, will, there will be fruit in our lives. And, when, and, and we, can, we can take joy in that. That that uh, that God is working in our lives, you know. Sometimes we feel, maybe a lot of times, we feel like He's not, uh, just because uh, we get in our own heads. But then, if you if you think on it, you can think how God's transformed you, how He's given you love for people who you maybe couldn't stand, or just you know you're doing things that you would never thought you did because God has changed your heart. And that's walking the way he walked. So back to the song. Um, Johnny Cash could not walk the line. Uh, he he uh, he left his wife. Uh, he you know temptation of women and drugs, fame and rock and roll destroyed his marriage and almost destroyed him. Um, even though he made a pledge in the song, he couldn't do it. But Jesus walked the line for us. He truly loved us, and he proved it by what he did. He can truly say, because you're mine, I walk the line. So now because of his great love for us, and because of his spirit in us, we can walk the line for others. We can truly love them. And that's what we should do. And it's not a burden, but it's a joy. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your truth. Have mercy on us now. Grant us grace that we might walk in love and obey your commands. And we ask this uh, out of gratitude, Lord. In Jesus' name.